Hello, my people. Once again, it's your favorite legal show, Law and What's Not. The legal show that tries to provide law students and practitioners with well-created legal content. It's your host, Calvin McQuay. And today, we're going to be continuing our discussions on pleadings. We've not forgotten about our promise for your past questions, so relax with us. Don't worry, it's all come. In our last episode, in our previous episode, we spoke about striking out pleadings under Order 11 Rule 18. We also, we also spoke about the timelines involved when we were talking about the delivery and service of pleadings, and we spoke about the close of pleadings, right, as a concept in civil procedure. Today, we want to go a step further. We now want to drill down to, st- like to things like statements of claims and statements of defenses. In today's episode, we want to talk about the general requirements for statements of claims. We want to talk about what you must you are expected to do when you are when there are specific claims involved like defamation, like probate actions, like money lenders actions. We also want to talk about the general structure of a statement of claim and what makes a statement of claim a statement of claim, the features and characteristics of a statement of claim. And this is for your drafting. And if there's time, we will talk about what a statement of defense is and when it is expected to be filed amongst other things. So, you know what? Stay tuned. Alright. So, what are the general requirements regarding the statement of claim? Right. For starters, you need to note that every statement of claim must accompany a, a writ of summons. And that's why the rules under Order 82 Right, provides that where in any part of the rules a writ is mentioned on its own, you must always imply that a statement of claim is together with it. So that's the first thing that is that, that you must note. And it's so important that if a writ comes without a statement of claim or vice versa, then such a writ will be described as a defective writ. And guess what? Your defendant can apply to set it aside under Order 9, Rule 7 and 8. All right. The other thing we need to note, obviously, is that the statement of claim is the first pleading in a case when a, 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 an action is begun by a writ. Another thing we need to note is that a statement of claim is an embodiment of a plaintiff's factual claims, right? So if there's any story you want to tell, if there are any facts that you want the court to note, then it's a statement of claim generally that those facts should should primarily be, be found. I say primarily because you can follow up facts with a reply, which will be a secondary pleading, right, in essence. Again, it needs no saying that a statement of claim should comply with the basic rules of pleadings that we've already spoken about. And then, it should also contain facts in a summary and succinct form. So you cannot be telling us a story about a contract and then be delving into when the person that breached the contract was born and things like that, right? Not important. Now, it is obvious that a statement of claim must also contain a cause of action. That's something we just spoke about like in the last episode. And finally, a statement of claim must contain facts that have a connection to the remedy you are asking for, right? So a statement of claim is usually ended with the remedy, the relief you want. But what this is trying to tell you is that you cannot be setting 
you cannot be stating a course of action for defamation saying someone defamed you and you'll be asking the court for a declaration of title to land it doesn't match there's no connection it's not far and we are saying that things of claim should not be like that don't do that when you're drafting things of claim everything should connect and have a logical and a legal nexus right so let's move to the next thing what are some of the requirements for certain specific uh, claims right so even though there are general requirements that we've already spoken about in respect of a statement of claim when it comes to certain actions and certain causes of action that a plaintiff is going for you must pay extra care and you must take you must go into extra details about some of these claims so we're going to talk about three main ones when you're talking when we are talking about defamation we are, we are suing on a money lenders action a mortgage action and then also on a probate action so when is it a defamation action what is the extra extra care you must take so you know that defamation is an action that and um, largely relies on what a person has said right either by mouth or has said it like in a in an intransient form right so i speak now of either slander or libel now the reason this recollection is very important is that when you are pleading as a plaintiff in in an action for defamation you must ensure that you particularize the words that you are arguing or you are telling the court was defamatory so it's not enough to just say oh the plaintiff said certain defamatory words to me and he has damaged my reputation you must go a step further to particularize the matter the defamatory words the defamatory facts that you are alleging the plaintiff said when you fail to do this then you are not complying with the requirements of pleadings under defamation suits now when it comes to money lenders actions and mortgage actions the extra care you must take is that you must state the date of the loan that was taken you must state the loan amount that was taken from you and has not been paid you must state the interest rates at which that loan was given and you must also state the dates for repayment amongst other things right and you can look at order 59 for 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 for, for this right now when you move to probate actions right we know that probate actions are generally in respect of the validity or otherwise of a will or the execution of a trust whether the, the trust is properly executed now in such actions when the plaintiff is disputing the interest of a defendant in a probate action he is required to state that in the statement of claim that he denies the interest of the defendant right you must expressly state the law requires that you expressly state in your pleading that you are denying the interest of the defendant or the the the, the interest that the defendant alleges he has in a particular estate so these are the three main specific claims with very specific requirements that you must always take like take care of like to actually address when you have a question right let's move on to what the general structure of a statement of claim is so when you're drafting a statement of claim the first thing you must look out for is the name and place of the court so you look at something like in the superior court of judicature in the high court of justice and you put your dates there nicely ad 2022 and then you are good to go then you come down to the names of the parties right mr brown versus mrs green remember you don't you don't forget your address mr brown of house number like so so and so under versus mrs green you 
indicate which is, who is the plaintiff and who is the defendant with the little designs on the side very nicely done then you indicate the title of the document so what is the document you are drafting a statement of claim nicely drafted under the parties right then comes the body what are we talking about here now you must describe the parties the, the plaintiff if there are multiple so the plaintiff is a businesswoman so so and so and so and so and so if there are multiple plaintiffs the first plaintiff is this person and this is what they do for a living the second plaintiff is this person this is what they do for a living the first defendant is this person this is what they do for a living and so forth and so on and so forth right then you come down and talk about the relationship between the parties and under this you also be talking about the circumstances that led to the dispute so if it's a contract a breach of contract action you will be highlighting the before, right? It's like a story. What happened? How did you guys meet? How was the contract formed? Full stop. After the contract was formed, what happened? The during. How did things proceed after the formation of the contract? Full stop. Were things good? Were things fine? Were, were there red flags about what was to come? You highlight it nicely. Then you come down to the, the D, right? What happened? Boom! Conflict. You highlight it nicely. Okay, on this day, this person they failed to deliver their first consignment and so so on and so forth. Then you highlight the right, your right that has been breached or which is threatened to be breached. You, you also highlight what you have suffered as, as, a result, um, as a matter of damage and then you ask for your claims or reliefs and this starts with wherefore the plaintiff claims against the defendant the following reliefs and semicolon and then you go on right so you can see our time is up for this session so in the next session or in the next episode we're going to be talking about what a statement of defense is and when it should be filed we are also going to be talking about other things like what options are open to a defendant when they are preparing a, a statement of defense and what matters a defendant is expected to specifically plead if there's enough time We'll also talk about the three types of defenses open to a defendant and instances where a person, a plaintiff, may file a reply. As always, it's been your host, Calvin McQuay, on the greatest legal show ever. Yes, I said it. See you next time. See you in our next episode. Until then, stay chill.